Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone. This is Baseball is Good. My name is Corey Engelhart. I am the host. Tonight is my 41st episode of this podcast. It's been a fun ride so far, and I appreciate everybody for listening and giving me the chance to talk about baseball in many different forms and um, varieties. Uh, for those that have not listened before, it's typically about baseball in the upper Midwest, sometimes professional, sometimes not. But I, I I started this podcast to be able to talk about baseball as a whole and why people enjoy it, why people maybe started out appreciating the sport for what it is and hearing the different stories and different backgrounds for why people enjoy the sport that I love and, and have grown up around. And my guest tonight, I'm really excited to bring him on um, it's possibly even two people, depending on the time. But um, my my guest this evening that we're going to start chatting with is is a man named Pete Gordon, who is working on a documentary about a uh, Negro League baseball pitcher from approximately a hundred years ago or so when he was in his prime, and working to hopefully push this player to the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. Um, in a few years when voting comes up again. And I'm probably not explaining it very well, so I'm going to bring Pete on and he can start the discussion and introduction about about what he does. Um, one moment here, I'll bring him on. Pete, are you there? To have you. Here, nice to be here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah same yes, here, so I I'm, agree. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, well, it's so great we got a chance to talk about this because John Donaldson's career is something that people need to know more about. It's a journey I've been on for the last um, nearly two decades now. I've been working on this every day for the last 17 years. Um, What happened is John Donaldson's career from 1908 to 1940 um, and then beyond uh, is something that I familiarized myself with over those 17 years, and I've been working on trying to restore his legacy in the eyes of baseball fans all over. And so the opportunity to get on a Midwest baseball podcast is something I really wanted to do because we need to um, open the eyes of people to the greatness that he had and his influence on baseball, not only here in the upper Midwest, but nationally uh, as a a segregated player um, played um, when the color line was in full effect. And what happened there was he was forced to play outside of the major leagues anywhere else. And at that time, um, the upper Midwest, primarily where he was, uh, was where he was forced to go somewhere far away from a major league. And so John Donaldson amassed a huge career and we'll get into that a little bit, but the most important part is we are working on the next phase of his uh, legacy restoration, which is a documentary film called 39 seconds. And I'm excited to be able to have a talented group of collaborators um, on the project who are going to help tell this story. They're led by a guy named Paul Ermiter, who's a documentary documentary filmmaker from Minneapolis, a talented group of producers, uh, Shea Cage and E.G. Bailey, um, from True Roots Productions, and uh, a, a whole cast of other people who are going to be filling various roles to try and tell John Donaldson's story. We have a great one. We have the opportunity to rewrite not only African-American history, but American history. We have um, 
John Donaldson's career was so significant and really so lost for so long. Uh, We've pieced it together, and I'm excited to be able to talk to you about that tonight. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. So uh, before we get the ball rolling here, I I said your name, so I would love it if you could maybe tell the listeners the website that you've started for this production and uh, maybe a little bit about if people are having other questions for you or for people on the show, how they can contact you um, through social media or email. How do you you prefer that? There is um, several ways to get hold of me. It's a, um, and us, Um, we have a film webpage called 39secondsfilm.com, which is um, really the home base for the film um, would be the webpage. Um, also, we are on social media, uh, Twitter at the Donaldson Network. I'll tell you a little bit more about the Donaldson Network as we get going here. But the Donaldson Network is a uh, web page on Facebook, and we have a Donaldson Network on Twitter, places where we're talking about John Donaldson and, and his greatness and places where people can get a hold of us. Uh, somebody was asking me the other day where uh, I put together a web page along with a guy named Sam Sinke several years ago called johndonaldson.bravehost.com, um, a place, a repository for all of John Donaldson's statistics. We have about 2,300 games that he played in. Uh, it's a, that webpage has every one of his documented wins and every one of his documented strikeouts on it. And my address and phone number is on every one of those games. And so I have quite a presence on the web to be able, for people to be able to find. But generally a Google search will, will turn up Pete Gorton and it'll turn up um, um, the Donaldson Network and talk about John Donaldson. So there are lots of ways to get a hold of me, and I often joke with people that there's somewhere around 5,000 PDFs up on the web that are about John Donaldson's career, and my name's on all of them. And so we have <laughs> phone number and address so people can find it. I hope people aren't having any trouble um, figuring out where to get a hold of me. But the, the fact is, is that you've caught us at a really important time, Corey. The, um, the film site has um, been working on a crowdfunding source of revenue to try and get this project off the ground. Um, we chose to go with Kickstarter. So if you go to kickstarter.com and search 39 seconds, there's a place where you can um, help support our film and help support our efforts all along. So I want your listeners to be able to know that there is a place on Kickstarter for people to go and donate whatever they can to try and get this great story off the ground. That's all I sure, and, and if people are listening several times as we go. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I, I just, while you were talking, went to Google and just typed in the literal two numbers, three and nine for 39, and it was the first thing that came up, the Kickstarter and the website. <laughs> if people are interested, uh, it's really easy to find. It's not spelling it out or anything. It's just Three nine. That's that's what the person that got me up to it, and it's yeah. it's been a fun website for me to peruse the last few days as I was looking over what we would be talking about here. Well, the interesting part about it, and in, in different discussions I've had with different people about this, is particularly baseball fans. This is a section and a segment of history that is really underdeveloped, and the way I say that is that. There's a whole time in history when great black baseball players were walking around, not only the state of Minnesota, uh, but all over the place trying to make a living playing baseball. And John Donaldson was one of the greatest um, of those players um, in the history of the game. We're not talking about Mm -hmm. somebody who is marginally good 
and could have uh, played a major league career for a brief time. John Donaldson's career was 33 seasons long. Um, He was wanted and desired by major league teams for his physical ability on the diamond. He was a a tall left-handed power pitcher, right? He he had command of four pitches, um, including a wipeout slider. And the wipeout slider is is an interesting pitch in itself in terms for baseball people. They understand that that breaks in on left-handers, in on right-handers and away from left-handers. It's really a pitch that you could get guys out in, in any generation, um, I firmly believe that John Donaldson, if he were walking around today, could have a major league career based on just his unique physical ability. Um, there are many things that we have found out about him over the years to be able to uh, make such assertions. What we're working on is with facts. Lots of Negro Leagues um, discussion and Negro League scholarship is about uh, legendary things that happened. Uh, things that didn't weren't necessarily 100% factual, but were handed down from generation to generation through oral history. But what the, what we've been able to do, and what we're working on at 39 seconds with the Donaldson Network, was to be able to attach facts to these things. Um, it's going to make for an interesting and an eye-opening documentary film, and that's what 39 seconds is going to do. Sure, and and from the description of the website. Um, before we get to his playing days and, and it, the style of pitcher he was, I really enjoyed the description of why you chose 39 seconds. Could you, could you describe why that was the title of your documentary? Um, in, in 1925, actually on August 16th, um, in Fergus Falls, Minnesota, a man named W.T. Oxley took out one of the first Kodak 16-millimeter hand crank film cameras when John Donaldson came to his town. Uh, he actually shot 39 seconds of film footage of John Dallison playing baseball in front of a huge crowd uh, in, from mid-1925. So we're talking about film footage that's almost 100 years old um, that mm-hmm. has survived until now to be able to show uh, this great player. Oxley knew in 1925 that John Donaldson was a great baseball player. So much so that he took his uh, his his film camera out and and filmed John Donaldson playing baseball. A relevatory moment in the history of the game, really, because uh, W. T. Oxley knew that John Donaldson was a famous baseball player. He didn't know that uh, some hundred years later somebody would be trying to restore the legacy of John Donaldson. But what he shot is relevatory to us today because it shows him playing the game and it shows how he threw the baseball. Um, And so that's 1925. It's a long time ago. John Donaldson's Mm -hmm. delivery, his physical ability and his actual delivery looks like a pitcher from today. He was literally Mm a hundred years ahead of his time. Uh, and that is something that's very important to what we're doing. It would be very difficult to sell John Donaldson and John Donaldson's story armed with the thousands of headlines that we have for him, um, the -hmm. thousands of newspaper articles that we have for him, because no matter how much I just show you the the press clippings, uh, having the actual film footage of him throwing the baseball is incredibly important today. Um, 
because people need to see him. People need to be able to see what he did when he did it. And so it's really important that uh, uh, people see his delivery. And when you see the film footage, you'll see a guy who's tall, um, who commands the mound, um, is obviously a major leaguer playing in Fergus Falls, Minnesota. And what people have to understand, the, the dredge of the color line and the color barrier that was um, 40, 50 years before um, Jackie Robinson broke into the major leagues, there were great African-American baseball players, and they just happened to be uh, playing away from the major leagues. John Donaldson played in 25 different states. Um, he played in 550 oh. different cities in the United States and Canada. His livelihood depending, depended on his ability to be able to travel around and be the headlining star of, in these areas. The people who came to watch him, which numbered in the hundreds of thousands, uh, knew they were seeing a major league pitcher. And when you lived in Fergus Falls, Minnesota, or any of the other 130 cities he played in in Minnesota alone, uh, you realize that, heck, there's not going to be a major leaguer just walk into our town. Um, this is an opportunity to see baseball at its highest level in terms of an individual. And people came out in droves to see him play. And so this legacy of his was lost. He... Uh, he, like I said, he played for 33 years, uh, 33 seasons. 1908 is the first game we found him in, and he finished in 1940. Uh, then went on to 1949 to become the first black scout in Major League Baseball history for the Chicago White Sox, um, a, a color barrier of its own um, in mm -hmm. terms of trying to hire talent at that time. Uh, they, The Chicago White Sox knew that John Donaldson was a conduit to other great black baseball players. And he brought some of the greatest players of all time right to the Chicago White Sox. Now they didn't choose to sign him for whatever reasons, um, but he brought them uh, a line on Willie Mays, Ernie Banks. Uh, he had some of the greatest players of all time ready to play for the Chicago White Sox. And that unfortunately never materialized, but he was out there scouting these guys and being the mentor that he was. One of the great parts about his career, um, when people talk about Negro League baseball, 1920 was when the league started in Kansas City. Uh, there was Negro League baseball before that. Um, there were Negro mm -hmm. League players playing all over the place, um, even into the eight, in 1800s, 1870s. Uh, there were black players playing all over. Um, but what happened with uh, John Donaldson was that uh, he was able to be the star and be able to play uh, in so many places. So many people knew who he was. He played in, from 1908, like I said, 1908 to 1930, 1940. Uh, but he plays before the league started. He plays during the league for the Kansas City Monarchs, the most famous franchise in Negro League baseball history. Um, he plays. Sure. He leaves the league because he can get paid more money in Minnesota. One of his 18 <laughs> different seasons he played in Minnesota. Uh, they knew that small towns knew that if they could get John Donaldson to play for their team, thousands of people would show up. Uh, and they, the whole town would benefit if John Donaldson was playing for their team. 
And so he was sought after to do just that. Uh, and so that's really important. He had, not only did he play in the league, he leaves the league. He played after the league was in, decimated in the mid under in the low 1930s, uh, around the great depression time, the league was sure. failing. And so they, they disbanded for a little while. So he plays before the league, during the league, after the league, then breaks the color barrier in major leagues in 1949. Very important mm-hmm. career. If you're looking for someone, uh, to be the story, Negro Leagues Baseball, it's John Donaldson, and that's what 39 Seconds is going to do, and that is what 39 Seconds' story is going to tell. Uh, we need people to help support us through our Kickstarter effort to be able to uh, start gathering the interviews. We have a bunch in the can already, but we need more, and we need to be able to tell sure. his story fully, and we're going to make a feature documentary-length film that people are going to be able to see. And so if you go to Kickstarter... You can uh, you can donate and pledge at different levels. Um, different levels can get you different things, like Kickstarters do. The uh, um, you can get a copy of the film. You can get a uh, T-shirts. You can get uh, all sorts of different things that we have had added as incentives to be able to uh, get people to try and help this effort. And so it's it's really important that we have. Uh, that we that we get this this effort off the ground and be able to work together to be able to do that. And so we're using great uh, great actors, great production team, uh, all kinds of people to be able to try and tell his story. But we need the public's help to be able to get this thing going and to take it to the next level and really tell us untold story about a great American that people should know more about. Yeah, no doubt. I, I want to bring up the video a little bit more, but I see that it looks like uh, Peyton has called in. So I'm going to bring okay. him on and we can um, get him introduced and, and bring on uh, what he is doing to help the project. One moment. Yeah. Hello, is this Peyton? Yeah. Hi. Hey, Peyton. Hi. Uh, my name is Corey. Corey. Uh, yeah. Hey, Corey. Yeah, I've been, uh, I'm actually. <laughs> sitting in my car going, I, the first number that I got was a 612 area code. So then I went to, uh, hey, Pete, <laughs> I went to hey. Pete's Facebook and got the actual number. Then I've just been sitting here <laughs> listening for the last, uh, I don't know, seven, eight minutes. And I was also talking sure. to Paul, who's in on this. He's a um, producer and camera guy. And <laughs> I was just like, hey, I can't get in. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so, well, so here we are. Have well, you now. It's Peyton Wilson, yeah, everybody. Yeah, no, he's going so, to be um, yeah. he's going to be working and doing the voiceover work for us, and maybe some acting parts. We're trying to uh, surround ourselves with some of the best talent to be able to tell this story, and Peyton's definitely one of those. So I'm appreciative that you were able to get through, Peyton. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't going to give up. <laughs> I was actually hitting, <laughs> well. I'm glad uh, you were able to up. hear some of it. Did you? Uh, yeah. What are your thoughts about joining the 39 Seconds team? Um, this is something that a friend of mine told me about. His name is Kevin West, and he's in on this as, a, I think, a, a co-writer and assistant director and so on. And he's a big fan of baseball and a huge fan of Negro League baseball and can just talk about it for days and days. So when he brought, when he told me about this, I didn't really have a gist of what it was all about. And then we went to a meeting, and just the way you heard 
the passion in Pete's voice right now and just all of his know-how <laughs> and all of his expertise on this, it, I was just sold immediately about this African-American baseball player who's got to be the best of the best of the best and nobody knows about him. Um, so Kevin said, you know, as they were talking about what they want to do, uh, Paul and Peter, that he knew somebody who he thought would be a great narrator slash voiceover. And I'm an actor in the Twin Cities. And, I, you know, I said, okay, I'll, I'll listen to these guys talk about this thing. And we were all brought into a room, and there was just so much passion in the room. And it started with uh, Paul and, and Peter talking about John Donaldson. And it just, you just can't say no to being a part of, as Shay Cage says, another one of our producers, writing history. History is already supposed to be written, and here we are trying to figure out a way to write this history and figure out why it was left out in the first place. So it, it's just, and when I was listening to Pete as I was waiting to get logged in, um, he was talking about, um, I had picked up that he was talking about some of uh, John Donaldson's entrepreneurial skills and just the fact that mm-hmm. he, you know, he had to pretty much sell, you know, at a time in the early 1900s uh, when you're trying to play baseball, African Americans pretty much already had to kind of fend for themselves to get into any kind of uh, business and something as big as baseball. It was just kind of phenomenal what he was able to do um, being a scout for the, 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 the Red Sox and, um, uh, and just being that, that person. Um, it's just been, it's just kind of a phenomenal thing. So as I get to, to know and learn more about, um, John Donaldson, it's, it's, it's going to be a remarkable journey. And I'm just hoping that people really get on board with this coming out because it's really important to splice this timeline. Uh, yeah. Agreed. And I, I, I like Pete's description also on how really in a lot of ways the the film that was taken is so important to use mm-hmm. because it does bring him to life in a different way for a generation or four generations, maybe even that have never really had the uh, luck, I guess, to be able to hear or to see this, this man play, to have the film to show him and, and make him more human in that sense really does help the narrative of saying he was a fantastic player and, and human and uh, he was a real person that is that you can you can see on the film and see uh, playing the baseball the game of baseball that all of us know and love for whatever we love it for right well I'll tell you a little bit more about that uh, Corey the, um, I showed the film sight unseen to major league scouts these guys who make their living trying to figure out if a guy raises his arm the right way or twists his hips or how they push off the rubber and how they do all their, their physical technique to be able to throw the baseball. Uh, part of the game that, uh, that many of us love to dissect, right? And so I showed them yeah. the film footage and I got them all, I got three different scouts to give their opinions, not knowing anything about who this guy was or when this was or anything about it, just to give me commentary on, from a scout's perspective, about what made John Donaldson special. And 
to the scout, they said that this guy would have a long career because he didn't put stress on his arm. He could throw the ball hard because he generated power through his legs. Um, All of these different caveats about how he threw the baseball that say exactly what happened. Um, He had a long 33-year career. Um, He was known to be able to throw the ball harder and faster than anybody. He was compared to Walter Johnson. Uh, He was compared to Christy Mathewson. He was compared to the greatest baseball player ever. And it's important for the, it was important for the scouts to say, one of the scouts said, there are far more players in the baseball hall of fame who have have less ability than this person. And that's very Mm -hmm. important to think about. Uh, They can look at it from a physical ability standpoint and to be able to show um, exactly what John Donaldson was doing based on the brief film footage we have of him and come up with an opinion like that is relevatory to me and all baseball fans everywhere. This is truly a story that was lost to history. And because of many different reasons, um, we were able to uncover it and bring it back to life. And so John Donaldson's, uh, where he stacks up in career, uh, in his career as a Negro League pitcher, should be up there with the greatest pitchers ever. And we are on our way to telling that story. That's a great thing yeah, but, that sorry that that description that uh, Peter just gave is is amazing because I've seen so many documentaries and I've never been the biggest sports fan in the world ever so it's kind of when they break down the physical um, attributes that a, a player has I've seen it on uh, Serena Williams I've seen it on Jesse Owens. I mean, down to how his legs were built and the power and sure. every, you know, they, they kind of, they totally break the, and I just seen the other day, it was an old, I, it was, it was uh, not that old. It was about a week or so old. Tom Brady was on uh, uh, Stephen Colbert and he was talking about this deep tissue thing that he's into because he said when he was in college and coming out of college, he, when he was in college, he was talking about how terrible he was and how he couldn't really throw the ball. And the reason was he was putting all this stress on his elbow, and until he started figuring out the mechanics that it took for him to get that ball down the field without hurting himself, uh, he wasn't able to play at at peak uh, efficiency. So when Peter talks about um, John Donaldson's uh, physicality, it's it's pretty amazing. And I read somewhere, Peter, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, where his technique, John Donaldson's technique, you, some of those folks that you showed that clip to said that looks like some of the things that baseball players are doing even today. Absolutely. Yeah. It is important well, to realize and, that he was doing that um, way back in the early 1900s. It's uh, mm-hmm. a long time ago. Um, I think John Donaldson came along and was a trailblazer. He was a guy who... Uh, who had physical skills that nobody had ever seen before. And he was relegated because of his skin color to play in very obscure places. And he, he uh, still excelled there and was totally forgotten about. And 
our film project 39 seconds is going to try and change that sure well I, i'm looking at the film too you, you said his motion was compared to christian matthewson and walter johnson i i can see why you're saying those names where he kind of does his glove over the head and then he doesn't really have a big leg kick that kind of was more prominent as as later years went on but his his motion is over the top but the the part outside of him having it looks like throwing really hard in that video i just come back to the fact that in that video he was already 36 years old he wasn't necessarily what people would call in the prime of his playing days not that 36 is old i hope it's not but um, <laughs> you watch watch that video uh and, and see that he was doing what he was doing probably easily five, ten years outside of what could be called the prime of a at least uh, days is, is also all the more amazing to me in, in many sense. Right, and one of the other parts about the era um, that needs to be understood by a modern audience is that players' primes weren't the same um, in the ni- early 1900s as they are today. Um, if you called a player, right, when I see the Twins guy who's going to start next, this uh, start for the Twins is 29 years old or 27, right? I mean, those are the primes of your career. Um, sure. Back then, players were did, did tend to skew older because there was a sense that, particularly with... Uh, African-American players, Negro League players, they didn't play a whole lot of baseball in their early years. Um, Their careers, almost to a man, are older. We needed to have a more mature player. Um, It was really rare when Willie Mays came along at 18 years old and was a star. Um, Players tended, at that time, to skew almost uh, five to ten years older. So it's important for people to understand that, that that is different than it is today. Uh, but you also have to take into account uh, barnstorming baseball was not a preferred lifestyle. Uh, sure. Traveling all over the United States on a train, then early cars, um, then eventually buses, and sometimes Satchel Page even had an airplane. Uh, traveling around sure. the United States, <laughs> playing a game every day, um, in a different city and trying to maintain physical ability was a very, very difficult thing. And so for most players played between uh, three to seven years. Scott Dallas played for 30. Um, it's important for people to understand that this guy was not, he was not a regular baseball player. Well, so <laughs> I guess to go into that point, like, uh, does does the project go into what life was like for him specifically outside of baseball games, like the traveling, the trying to find uh, hotels to stay at, restaurants to eat at? Does that get into part of it as well as, like you said, stay in the physical shape that he was in to be able to play the game that he loved? One of the things that we do know about John Donaldson is this. Um, he was a walker. Every single day, every single town that he went to, he went out and went for a walk. Uh, every single day. 
she they got around sort of the um, hotel uh, restaurant issues early on in its career, uh, traveling in a private train car. And so okay. there was no other way to travel. And so they had their own train car, and he played for a team called the All-Nations team. And the All-Nations team sure. was made up of, like the name says, uh, players of many different nationalities. Uh, there was a Cuban on the team. There was a Hawaiian, on, which Hawaii was, a, uh, was not in the United States yet. Uh, mm-hmm. There was the, the first Asian-American player, the first professional Japanese player, played for the All-Nations team in 1913. Um, his name was uh, Goro Mikami, right? John Donaldson's team looked more like a today's major league roster uh, than it has in history, but a hundred years ago. They had guys from all over the place because they were not only were they excluded from the major leagues, uh, John Donaldson was one of those guys, and that was one of their um, drawing points was to travel around in places with uh, very recently immigrated people to the United States. Um, if you went into parts of Minnesota where there was huge German population um, and you had a German guy on your team, people would come out to watch the German guy. Uh, <laughs> people were immigrating to the upper Midwest um, by the hundreds of thousands um, every single year. And that was a drawing card for people to come out and see them play. And so John Donaldson's team, the All Nations team, um, had many different players of many different nationalities, and they were uh, uh, traveling around giving the baseball public what they wanted to see. Which is pretty amazing that he was uh, this forward-thinking, that that team was that forward-thinking and that integrated, but yet and still he suffered so much racial indignation that uh, that you know that was part of the that was uh, some of the obstacles that he had to overcome just being who he was at that time. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I, I can't argue that at all. And I have, I have no way to be able to step into his shoes and what that was like. So part of the film and documentary for me is to learn more about that. So we aren't hopefully treating people that way again um, and see what it was like for somebody who was a real live human person uh, with feelings and emotion and, and athletic ability to make them be on top of the world and still treated the way that he was. Mm-hmm. I think, Corey, that it's really important to realize that John Donaldson's story has relevance today. Um, mm-hmm. What we're trying to do with 39 Seconds Film and trying to get um, John Donaldson's story out there through our Kickstarter and crowdfunding campaigns that we have uh, and the web page, we're trying to tell a great story uh, that does have uh, resonating uh, facets today. Uh, something about educating people um, about the trials and tribulations of what he had to go through to travel mm-hmm. to 550 different cities in the United States um, through this tumultuous time in American history, uh, from before the First World War all the way through World War II, um, all the way um, into the civil rights era. I mean, the guy was traveling everywhere. He was a master at um, traveling through the United States and persevering through all the different um, 
communities and places he had to go. And so it's really important for that people to understand that John Donaldson's career is still relevant to us today. Sure. Well, so um, one of the uh, documents I, I printed out to be ready to speak with you about this listed his nickname as Cannonball. And I was curious if you knew where he got that nickname or where that nickname was, was coming from. I'm just, I'm curious. Um, John Donaldson was called many things. Um, okay. He was, he was written about, like I said, almost 6,000 different newspaper articles we've collected to be able to piece his career back together. Um, Cannonball was one of his nicknames. He had many names, Big John, uh, uh, but I think Cannonball was parlance at the time. I think there was a different uh, – um, could have been comparing him to another major leaguer at the time that was na- nicknamed that. Um, but John sure. Donaldson's name, he had many different names. Um, different years would go by, and he'd go by different things. Uh, but it's important for people to realize that um, there were people who saw him that thought his first name was famous. Um, people referred to him as Famous Donaldson so often that people actually thought that it was his name. And that's an important thing to think about in terms of um, fame. At those at that time, there wasn't um, – Babe Ruth hadn't taken over um, in terms of mm-hmm. national consciousness, um, household name. But John Donaldson was a household name in the state of Minnesota uh, for almost his entire 30-year career. And uh, people knew who he was. His story was sort of buried here. And that was where we came to try and figure out what was, what was it about him. Um, so I talked to many, many people who actually knew who he was or had heard stories about him. And one of the guys I just talked to last week said that his mother and father and uncles would all sit around and talk about baseball. And he was always curious as to why they didn't talk about Joe DiMaggio, Ted Williams, uh, Jackie Robinson. Every time they mm-hmm. talked about baseball, they talked about John Donaldson. And mm-hmm. he didn't know anything about that because he didn't know who John Donaldson was. He thought it sure. was important that there there are people who remember who John Donaldson was, and there are people who have got the legends and stories passed down to them. He's very supportive of our, of our effort because we are want to keep his name alive, a name he heard for years and years and didn't know anything about. But I think it was interesting that they didn't talk about established major leaguers. They talked about the greatness of John Donaldson. Um, they, he said that his mother referred to him or treated him as though he was a movie star. And that's <laughs> an important thing to do. That didn't happen. Sure. Um, that's a different sort of mindset to be able to think of that. But John Donaldson brought fame and fortune everywhere that he went. The crowds would come and people would buy hot dogs. Um, the crowds would come and they'd need gas for their cars. Crowds would come out and they'd buy hamburgers and hot dogs. And the whole town would flourish because 5,000 people showed up where there normally was 500. And they needed to provide things and services for people. And Having John Donaldson as their headliner was a very important part of that. Um, it actually helped their town thrive. One of the places that he lived in, all their games um, were written about in the Minneapolis newspaper. And that's a big thing. 
because when you're trying to establish a town, when you're trying to establish people to come there, you want a big league philosophy and you want a big league people to think that your small town is something special and it's important and it it helped their town uh, to gain recognition uh, because John Donaldson was hired by them. So yeah, how, um, you've mentioned, uh, at least in some of the writing I found, uh, how he got connected to the teams he played for. I'm, I'm curious, like, how in the 10s, 20s, 30s um, would a marketer, marketer or owner of a team connect with John Donaldson and um, market him and the rest of their team to towns to be able to make the money that they did. Like how, what was that process like? They didn't exactly have internet or Twitter or things like that. Like how did, how did that go about getting games scheduled and, and uh, games marketed so people knew about it and would travel to it? Like how did it get around? Was it radio? Was it newspaper? You mentioned the newspaper, but like John how, did, how did that career. happen? Yeah, John Donaldson's career, it's funny you mentioned radio. John Donaldson's baseball games in the late 1920s were broadcast on radio stations. Okay. Uh, people could huddle around their radios and hear John Donaldson's games being broadcast uh, <laughs> in many, many different places. Um, but that was when radio was new, right? Radio comes <clears throat> in in the early 1920s. Okay. Sure. So how somebody got a hold of them, they walked up to them and said, here's some money. Come play for us. That's how they did it. And it was totally yeah. like we would call free agency today. Um, he wasn't bound to any contracts. He was paid month by month, game by game, payday by payday, from diamond to diamond as he went around. And that's really one of the important things we want to try and tell people about the film and why we're doing this film is um, to show this very unique story. The town of Bertha, who that hired Bertha, Minnesota, hired him for three different years in the mid 1920s. They started saving money for him three years before he got there. That's how they did it. They real they sat down and they said, "How are we going to get our small town on the map? We're going to have a great baseball team. How are we going to do that? We're going to sell subscriptions to the baseball team, and we're going to start saving money, and then we're going to go take a case of money and see an offer to John Donaldson." And that's what they did, and he took it. Um, At in 1924, he was paid uh, $350 a month, which was over $150 more than the highest-paid Negro leaguer. That's some of the most amazing. That that figure is astonishing. We're talking about Mm -hmm. early 1900s for an African American man to be making that kind of money. At that time, and everything that Peter is saying right now, it's just kind of blowing my mind because some of the stuff mm-hmm. I've heard, some of it I'm still I'm hearing for the first time, <laughs> and this film has all of the that story has all the makings that it needs to make a great film. I mean, all the trials and tribulations he's been through, all the travel, his physical acumen, acumen uh, uh. Just the the drama behind his story is, is, is the perfect thing for this medium. And then the fact that nobody has ever heard of this guy. Everything that Peter has said, <laughs> nobody knew. And it's just important to bring this this historical figure back into the limelight uh, because 
he should be sitting up there or in front of Satchel Page and in front of uh, Jackie Robinson, who, you know, was brought to stardom for a lot of uh, reasons, both political and social. And that time mm-hmm. was, it was, it was a different time, but for all of this to happen, and this was a question that came up uh, while we were, we had this uh, gathering over here in Minneapolis uh, this past uh, Thursday. And it was like, how could this much greatness and this much talent go just fall underground. So it's so mm-hmm. important to do this film and to bring this person back into the limelight so that people are talking about him. And like Pete was saying, how relevant this is today, you know, with everything that's happening sure. in America today, um, you know, with uh, Black Lives Matter, um, mm-hmm. with uh, the, the you know, even what the kids are doing today uh, with um, sure. with their education. And, and it, it just all, it's all so very poignant right now. There's a lot happening, and we can't allow somebody like John Donaldson's history to, to just, it hasn't been there. You know, it just hasn't been there. And there is no reason with a, a black man who had this international <clears throat> baseball team, this 30-some-odd-year career, um, numbers that compare if they're not better to Satchel Page, Jackie Robinson, Babe mm-hmm. Ruth, and to be making that and 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 for it not to be held on a pedestal. Um, I believe in the baseball records there were six pages, and now thanks to some of the work that Pete has been doing, or all of the work that Pete's been doing, I believe there's about 800 pages in there. Wow. Because his history is being dredged up. And um, it's just time for black history, African-American history, and the legacy that he put on this sport to be acknowledged. Um, He did for baseball what B.B. King did to the blues and what Miles Davis did for jazz. And there is no... You know, you look these guys up and you'll just find enough information to wrap it around the globe uh, several times. And this man was just as astounding and, and, and just as important. And he stands for a lot of things to have dealt with what he dealt with in the early 1900s. That's a whole different um, scenario of circumstances that uh, he went through than what Jackie Robinson went through. You know, a whole different barrel of, of, of uh, oppression. And it's just, it's time. It's, it's past due. And this is the moment. And that's why this film, I hope these are some of the reasons that this film is being made. I might be missing something, but um, thanks to Peter's 17 years of research um, and dedication to this project, it's time now to start really getting his name out there and altering the timeline of African-American history, African-American baseball, and American history, period. It's just so overdue. Somebody that left a legacy behind that John Donaldson did, it can't go unnoticed. It's, it, it, that just can't happen. 
sorry I cut you off, Pete. <laughs> no, no, no. No, that's no. okay. No, it was perfect. Yeah. I appreciate I for an hour, all but, of that. Yeah. 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 Well, no, I I, I wanted kind of a follow-up, too. Um, if, if listeners are like me and hear the name Bertha, Minnesota, and had absolutely no idea where that was, I had to look it up because I've never heard of a town. And it has basically the same population today as it did in 19... 19- 20 which is roughly just under 500 people and and that amazes me in the in the sense that it's about two hours today drive um from the cities north to north west um in the state of minnesota it's basically as center of the state as you can get but it was a tiny town and I'm, i'm just curious uh part of what you've helped accomplish pete is to get uh, Mr. Donaldson, a uh, tombstone with his name on it, because he was he was originally when he when he passed many years ago, buried with an unmarked grave. Is there is there a monument or anything to his time spent in that tiny tiny town in the middle of uh, quote unquote nowhere, or or are there other monuments for for people to travel and see some of the locations that he's been able to play? Um, that's one of the projects that I, I have definitely thought about. Um, we thought about a medallion sort of thing where John Donaldson was. Um, we'd have to make a lot of medallions. Uh, but, yes, John Donaldson <laughs> died in 1970. He died six months after I was born. Um, he was buried in an unmarked grave in suburban Chicago uh, until 2004 when a project called the Negro League Baseball Grave Marker Project uh, found his unmarked grave and found the records for him there and put together a team of contributors to be able to put a headstone on his final resting place so people knew who he was. I was invited to that ceremony because I had done some work on him at that time and lots of work on him at that time. And the, uh, I went down there and I stood around the grave site with a bunch of Negro League baseball historians um, on a beautiful Saturday afternoon, the grave site, and everybody's looking down, down <clears throat> like you would think they would be. And I said, does anybody really know who this is? And they all said, no, <laughs> we got to figure out who this is. And I had, sure. I had some information about him. I had probably 200 games of his um, that said that he was a, a good baseball player and he deserved to be recognized. Um, but as the years went by and as we kept looking for things and as we kept accumulating data, uh, he turns out to be a great baseball player. And in a real high level, the facts in this case are overwhelming. And that's why we're making this film. And that's why we got to tell people, you're not going to be the first person who doesn't know where Bertha, Minnesota is. But that speaks to the remoteness that the color barrier created. Every time John Donaldson pitched in Chicago, it was written in the newspaper, why isn't John Donaldson playing for the Chicago White Sox? Or why isn't John sure. Donaldson playing for the Chicago Cubs? They didn't want that type of information going out to people. Um, they didn't <sighs> want to discuss breaking the color barrier in the 19-teens and 20s. Uh, they didn't want to do that. They basically said, you guys need to get out of here and go somewhere else. And where somewhere else was, was a town of 500 people in the middle of Minnesota uh, mm-hmm. where he could take his major league ability and be major league. Um, 
And it's important, and I just can't tell you enough how it, how great it is to be on the show here to be able to let this out. It is something that has been researched heavily. Um, it has been proven. It is something that we are ready to tell people, and I hope people can go to our Kickstarter and um, help us do this because it's about time, and a story like John Donaldson's, as Peyton said, needs to be told now. Um, yeah, we can't afford important. to let this man's legacy be lost to history, especially today in today's political climate. I feel like people are really afraid to uh, take any risks, to cross some boundaries, to uh, they're afraid to, to just kind of step out of their comfort zone, which I think is kind of a Midwest sen- uh, sentiment anyway. <laughs> But in today's political climate, I think it's even more important that we do this because for me, as I continue to learn about this guy, that All Nations team for me is a complete, uh, uh, somewhat of a summary, and it's very symbolic to me that he played with all these players from different uh, ethnicities and nationalities. And it just kind of uh, provides a beautiful image. And I think uh, as people start asking themselves what 39 seconds is about, it's, it's about an, uh, uh, a great African-American baseball player who survived a 32, is it 32-year career, uh, Pete? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and did it during a time that for him to have accomplished that in the early 1900s and to cross all those barriers, um, racial inequality, uh, World War II, all of those things, I think that alone says enough about who this man is. And if people can support that notion um, during a time when Hitler was still looking for his great white hope um, and Mm -hmm. hoping that Jesse Owens would fall to... uh, that Jesse Owens would fall to the wayside, um, and this man's traveling all over the country, then uh, if people can get behind that, then there's no reason why we shouldn't be able to get this film made. This, this is the time to do it. It's, it's humbling. It's awe-inspiring. It's uh, tragic. Mm-hmm. It's painful. And it's just, uh, I just, that's why I'm a part of this project. Like I said earlier in the, in the, in the uh, broadcast, I, I'm not even the biggest sports fan in the world, but it's not about <laughs> being a sports fan. It's about this man's legacy. Sure. Uh, legacy. It's about his life. It's about what he accomplished. And, uh, you know, it, it, it has to be done. I just keep falling back on that. It has to be done. Sure. Well, yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree. I'm, I'm on the left side again. Uh, this hour has gone really. And I have some of the questions before we go. A couple quick questions, but um, one more time before we end, I want to make sure there's time for you to uh, go over the name of the website again and how people are how people can support the project um, if the, if that works for you guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can go to Kickstarter.com and search 39 seconds and make a pledge. We have a couple, only a couple of remaining days, so we need you to do it now. Uh, our, our 
Kickstarter ends on uh, um, six o'clock on Friday morning. Uh, and so right now, our Kickstarter days. Yeah, yeah and right now, if you pledge, if you pledge right now, uh, your pledge will be matched. So if you donate fifty, we get a hundred. If you donate a hundred. Uh, we get 200 for it. So, And then there's some other things uh, Pete can talk more about that you get depending on the increments of the levels that you donate. So, yeah, it's kickstarter.com, 39 seconds. That's And also our webpage is 39secondsfilm.com, and that's a great, um, uh, a great place to learn more about this wonderful story. Sure, and and uh, I'm looking on on the Kickstarter uh, part here. It looks like you're along with just donating money and being part of a project. It looks like there's some rewards that people can get if they donate at certain levels. Not that we have to go over everything. People should please visit the website instead. But um, if people do de- donate to the film, they can they can get something uh, back that they can have and hold and and show that they were a part of this. And I just think that's really uh, a pretty great idea to, to help people want to, to be a part of the story. So that's just my opinion, I guess. But um, well, we, we have a great yeah, story be- to tell and we have a, um, we have a great opportunity now to be able to bring somebody who I firmly believe should become a household name again, as he was during his career. Time and history has just forgotten this. Um, we were able to do, uh, we were able to put it back together. We were able to take him to the highest level so people can see and judge for themselves. You can see him play. You can see the numbers that he racked up. You can see the places that he went to. Um, you can see everything in this film is going to be able to show um, a story that people are just unfamiliar with. And we're going to change that. And we've got a great group of people working on this with us. Um, it's, it's, it's gotta be one of those most amazing uh, talented teams um, as it continues to uh, grow. And uh, I just think that um, this thing that, we can create and will create is going to be a gift to America. It's going to be a gift to the world because like Peter said, he should be a household name. We should see kids wearing his t-shirt just as much as we see them wearing any other icon. Uh, And it's just, it can be, it has the potential to be absolutely magnificent. I like to say we're going to splice the American timeline. I like that. Well, so generally, otherwise, when um, if people are are uh, supporting it financially, or are just interested even in looking out for when the documentary is um, the movie is possibly scheduled to be coming out, uh, is there a, a timeline for when you want it to be out for people to be able to view it? Well, all these things depend on contributions. They depend on the ability sure. to make a movie. Uh, we are planning on shooting in the fall of 2018. We have some interviews, as I said, already done. Um, we plan on moving this forward and getting it to the public as fast as we can. But that all depends on how we're able to navigate this issue of 
uh, financing, and we're working on it. And the Kickstarter is going to be a major part of that. We need to be able to show that uh, our efforts in terms of raising money are effective. Uh, people mm-hmm. will take a chance on that. Um, we need to be able to get our Kickstarter funded. We need to be able to move on to the next phase of production. Agreed. Well, I'm I'm about to, uh, for my part, add add some money to it just because it's like I'm excited to hear the story and it's something I I want to be a part of um, just personally. But hopefully, if people are are listening and enjoying hearing about the story, I hope. Um, you can uh, support this in any way because it's a story that I agree needs to be told and, and shared as, as, as much as we are able as a society. So if you love baseball, you'll love this story. Sure. If you love baseball, if you love history, if you love humanity, <laughs> I mean, this is one of those <laughs> things where it's like, you might think you don't have what it takes to pledge I'm on that level where it's like, look, if a mil- if if half a million people pledge two dollars, we got what we need to make this happen, mm-hmm. and it will happen, and you will see the fruits of your donations come to life. And uh, I mean that figuratively as well as literally. This is real. This is not a drill. This and and the research <laughs> speaks for itself. Uh, this is we're talking about 39 seconds, but we're talking about an entire. 32-year career in a man's life. It's 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 got to this has got to happen to be a part of. And for those who pledge, you're you're helping rewrite history. You're helping alter the timeline of of a great man. And uh, I, I can't say enough about that. Please pledge. Kickstarter. 39 seconds. Let's do it. Yeah, sounds good to me. All right. Uh, I've I've kept you both longer than the, the hour that we that I promised, and I don't want to. I know it's late, so I don't want to keep anybody up too late. If, if, you know, with other responsibilities in life and everything, but uh, I just want to thank you for your time and to be able to, to share a little bit about it on this podcast. To to be able to talk about it, it's been really. I, I've I've really enjoyed this, so I, I appreciate your time. Yeah, well, thank you, Corey. It's been great to be on. We appreciate it, and we want to tell the story of John Donaldson, but we appreciate. Um, you wanting to help us do that and your contribution is fantastic and we appreciate that and we appreciate being on. It's time to tell the story. We've said it before. Let's get it out there. Let's tell people what a great player John Donaldson was and how 39 seconds uh, the film will be able to shed light on something people don't know anything about. Yeah, sounds good to me. I'm all on board. So I uh, thank you and um yeah, if there's anything else I can do uh, in terms of, of promoting or getting the word out, please let me know because I want to I want to support this. Um, I don't I don't I don't have millions of dollars, but I want to support it with what I can and um, help help get the word out in any way. So let me know otherwise. All right, thank well, you. We appreciate and your if support. You have, Thanks. Yes, and just keep please forwarding our uh, Kickstarter campaign all over all your different social medias, and that'll be wonderful as well. Will do. Absolutely. All right. Okay. Well, yeah. uh, one last time, I guess, uh, this is uh, Pete Gordon and, and Peyton Woodson. They are working on the 39 seconds film uh, regarding the life and time of 
John Donaldson, who uh, was a, a, a fantastic baseball player in the early 20th century. And please support their project and their work to be able to share their story at some point in a later date. And I hope you enjoyed listening. Have so, a good night, everybody. Have a good night, you guys. Thanks. Yeah, have a good night, right. and I, I hope to talk to you guys again soon. All right, thanks. Okay, Clay. sounds good. Thanks.